So we promised that in season two, we would start each episode with a quote, an inspirational quote or, or something. And Bill, you have our quote of the day. And it is? Yes, I have the quote of the day that I saw on a little placard outside of an independent bakery. And I thought it was just, just the thing. And the quote goes, spread more butter, not more hate. I love that. <laughs> and we should remember that during tourist season. Right. Welcome to the Winnie and Bill Chat Podcast. This is episode 10 of season 2. We're calling this one Tourists and Ticks. Or Ticks and Tourists. Whichever which, way you want to do it. Which do you like better? Um, <laughs> no comment. No comment. So that was my husband, Bill, and my name is Winnie, and we are the owners of Quiet Shutter Fine Art and Photography. And the way we like to do our podcast is we will post nine photos to our Instagram account, which is Quiet Shutter Photo. And then you can look at the pictures as we talk about those images, the backstory, what went into the photo or whatever comes up. And uh, we'll see. Today we're calling it Ticks and Tourists. And it's because on Memorial Day, which was a Monday. <laughs> We, we took a little drive um, to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and would you call it a mistake, Bill, to go on a Memorial Day? Mm, not really. We were, we were going the opposite direction of all the tourists for the most we part. We were going opposite direction. Hey, before I get going too much further, we got to remember to thank Anchor Podcasting Platform. Yes, we do. Um, Anchor is a free platform you can use to create your own podcast. You can find it on the web or an app on your smartphone. It's really easy to do. If we can do it, you can do it too. So thank you, Anchor. Thanks, Anchor, for providing us this podcast for Matt. Wow. That was a mouthful. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to dive in. So we headed up to the UP on Memorial Day. And like Bill said, we were swimming upstream because all the traffic was going south. Now, to get from our house to the Upper Peninsula, we have to cross the Mackinac Bridge. And that's when we started to notice the traffic. Yes. It was, uh, it was really stacked up on the north side of the bridge. So, and not too bad on our side. And when we got across, it didn't take too long to get through the toll booth. And, um, but then we noticed you have to drive a couple miles to our, the exit we wanted that goes into St. Ignace. Would it be a couple miles? Yeah, about a mile, half a mile, three quarters of a mile. I'm not a very good judge of <laughs> space, I guess. But it was on the south side. It was backed up all the way on 75, all the way through the on-ramp 
And then when we exited and went around, the traffic continued to be backed up on US two for for sure miles, right? Oh yeah, it was a long way. So Bill, I, can you click on that number one photo? It's actually a video. What? We're doing video now? Well, we're gonna see if this works. Okay. Clicking. Oh, here we go. Flashbacks of traffic jams. So describe what you're seeing. So we are headed west on US2, and there is, the, the traffic is moving, but it's moving extremely slow. And it's definitely bumper to bumper um, all the way through um, the outskirts of St. Ignace. This is where everybody kind of stages to get onto the Mackinac Bridge. And uh, we were headed west, and all this traffic was going the other direction. So most of the traffic, there was some semi-trucks, including, did you catch the big semi-truck that said, said Jesus on the side of it? In big letters, Jesus. <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that message. But, I wasn't sure either. Yeah. But um, there was a lot of vehicles pulling RVs. Did you notice that? Right. Yeah. The Tons. Camping was a big deal. I know that I have heard people say that they think camping is dead, that people don't camp anymore. People don't want to rough it. And of course, in the modern day RVs, can you call it roughing it? Not exactly. Not Didn't exactly. see a whole lot of tents on top of cars, mind you. It was a lot of RVs, RVs. a lot of campers. Yeah. But there were some smaller campers, pop-up campers. Like people, sure, there's, there's every variety of them. Yeah, people still love to camp, I think. I think so, too. I, I think know the we people... Get I think the people that were to say that camping's dying is because they probably never liked camping. Yeah. So they're they're pushing their own personal feelings and opinions. I upon. think that's true because we get people who call Park of the Pines, which is a church owned camp. And um, this camp is designed for youth camps and family camps and groups, um, nonprofit type groups, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, that kind of thing. We're not a camp that's Anybody can pull in off the road and, and camp for the night, like right. a state park. But we do get people who call here all the time wanting a space to camp because all of the local state parks and, and private camping places are full. And they, I think they fill up in January when they start taking reservations. Yeah, people who take camping seriously in state parks and such, people who have campers who love to go camping on weekends all summer long they do the first week in january they go on the state's websites and they book their summer and they make their plans yeah and um, people who don't do that much always scratch their head about why are the state parks all full <laughs> right well, right did you go camping when you were a kid with my parents yeah no well you camped here at family camp yeah this was considered our one camp of the year and you stayed in a camper or a tent? Correct. So when I was a kid, we actually went camping quite a bit. We camped here at Park of the Pines for a week of family camp. And we stayed in a tent, a green army looking kind of a tent. Those tents had a certain smell to them, right? I can smell it from here. <laughs> what is that smell? It's the canvas, but. Cam a mix of canvas and mildew and wherever it was stored for the year. <laughs> Last year's food. Yeah, no. Um, we also camped a lot in, um, I grew up in northern Michigan, in Sault Ste. Marie. So we camped at northern Point Michigan? 
I'm sorry. Wow. You're losing it, girl. One year of the pandemic and I forgot that Canada You haven't been to the homeland in so long you forgot about it. Wow. I grew up in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. I've heard about it, too. Tell me a little bit more about that place. Well, we used to camp on Lake Superior, either on at Point de Chine, or we would go up the line, as they say, up the highway to Pancake Bay or to Batchewana Bay. And we would camp in our big green tent. And we would have pancakes for breakfast and we would have, my, I think I've talked about this before, my mom would make onion rings out of the leftover pancake batter and we would run around in the sand. And I, it, those were great times. My cousins and their families used to camp too. And so we'd all run around together. And yeah, I don't think camping ever has died. I think it's always a thing. Right. We never liked our cousins that much, so. You played with your cousins all the time. They lived in the same neighborhood as you. Yeah. So anyhow, the traffic was so so, um, heavy that you and I wanted to pop down in St. Ignace to Point LaBarbe. And the road that takes you down there was blocked from the traffic. We had to take the long way around to get there. Yeah, we had to go about five miles. Out of our way. Out of our way and then come back to where we wanted to go, but. I was out. worried that when we headed home that afternoon that we would run into that traffic. But by then it had subsided. Everybody had gone home. So we did get down to Point LaBarbe. And if you go to our next photo, Bill. Uh, yes, the yellow lady slippers. That was sort of our motivating factor of getting going up to the UP, wasn't it? And the yellow lady slippers are some of my favorites. Yeah, we've discovered that uh, that area is uh, kind of prolific with these yellow lady slippers. Um, not any other color, just the yellows there. But um, uh, some years they're really big. They seemed a little short and squatty to me this year. But I think it's just because it's so dry this year that um, it is very dry. Also, everything. I think for once we were a little bit early. There was still um, lady slipper buds that hadn't fully grown yet. So I think we were a little bit early, but we did find our, our yellow lady slippers. Yep. And uh, took lots of photos. And our plan was um, we have a friend who has given us tips about where wildflowers, wild orchids in particular, are in Michigan so that we could go and find them and photograph them. And we had printed out some instructions to get to other places that had, we were looking for ram's head lady slippers and we were looking for pink and white lady slippers. And um, to get to the other places required boots and fly dope. That's what the instructions said. Encourage. (laughs) Encourage. It required courage, and it turns out that's something we didn't bring with us. We had we had everything else. We just left our sack of courage at home. I don't know why we did that, but well, while we were photographing the uh, yellow lady slippers, which are and were beautiful. Look at this picture, Bill. I believe this is one you took of a nice clump of lady slippers. Yeah, this turned out nice. The plants grow about what would you say, twelve? 14 inches tall? Yeah, not yeah, typically. Um, you know, like you say, on a good year, they'll get up to 15, 16 inches tall, but never taller than that. And sometimes the ladies' slippers will be um, 
probably three inches on a really big side. These were probably a two inch. Are you measuring the just the fl- just the, uh, the yellow part? Actually, slipper itself. Yeah, the slipper. Yeah. Um, in order to get really good pictures of wildflowers, I would suggest, and this is what we do, is get right down on the ground. You have to be careful sometimes that you don't step on or ruin or lay on other flowers. So it takes a little bit of doing to get right down on the grounds. We get right down, lay right on our stomachs. And so that you're at eye level with the flower. Um, Overcast days are really the best day to take photographs of flowers because the light is softer and not too harsh. Um, This particular day was a bright, sunny day. So what we have is a white umbrella that we bring. And while one person is taking the photograph, the other person is holding the umbrella at an angle that will filter and block the harsh light and, and make it a little easier to get pictures. So that's a couple of the tricks we were doing in this picture. Imagine, Bill, what people are thinking when they drive past us. One of us laying on the ground, one of us holding a white umbrella. Oh, Lord, she's passed out. Yeah, they must think something crazy is going What's on. What's wrong with these people? <laughs> we have had people stop on occasion and say, everything okay? <laughs> yep. Yep. No, my husband just has fits every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> He'll sometimes. be fine. I just put a pill under his tongue. He'll be fine. He swallowed a tick and he can't get up. <laughs> well, that brings me to our next picture. And the reason why we left our sack of courage at home. So um, I think the first tick appeared on me after laying down on the ground, taking pictures of the flowers. I got back in the car and there was a tick on my leg. And I started squealing, right? Among other things. (laughs) Maybe there was some swear words. There may have been some cursing going on. (laughs) And I, I didn't know what to do. And I, and the windows were closed and I did finally I opened the door and flicked it out. But you were just looking at me like I was crazy. I don't know if you didn't didn't register with you what was going on, because I know you hate ticks as much as oh, I do. Yeah. I just couldn't figure out why you didn't roll your window down. But Well, you could have rolled it down for me. You were I, in the command seat. Yes. My fault. <laughs> no, but I think it took you a second to see what I was getting all worked up about. And then you acted like I was being an idiot until. Until. The next tick was on you. Yeah, because this one was on me, the picture you got. <laughs> yeah, this was, at least you didn't freak out quite as bad as I did. But this was um, a tick that was on your knee. And this is a, a close-up taken with the lens. It's an 85 millimeter fixed lens. Um, and I said, get a picture pri- of this thing lens. before I kill it. Yeah, get a picture. So I very quickly grabbed the camera and zoomed in. That is the best lens Um, it's an 85 millimeter prime lens that we bought used from our friend Kevin. And therefore that lens is forever known as Kevin. Kevin's been good to us. Kevin is good to us. Both of Kevin's have been good to us. Yes. We love Kevin Anderson. He's one of our favorite people. And anyway, so this picture was taken with Kevin. This is a tick. And I believe this is called a dog tick. Yeah. It's got little white spots on its back, which means... Even though it's it's not going to give you Lyme's disease, it just gives you the freaks. Just well, I think any tick can make you sick. Yeah. If they and this is the grossest thing, but ticks will 
suck your blood, of course. They they burrow into your skin and then they can live there sucking on your blood for days and days and days if you don't notice them. And you can, from this picture, do you think people can tell how the size of this tick? Because it is very close in. Like even the denim jeans, you can see the fibers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, you can see them with your naked eye, but I would say the tick is about the size of my baby fingernail. Yeah. And um, they, if they burrow themselves into you and stay there and you don't notice them, they can engorge themselves to be the size of a quarter. Yeah. I work with a gentleman that's from the South. He recur he, he referred to it as a grape tick. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, when they get so big, they look like a grape hanging off your neck. It's like, Oh, uh, that's Ugh. an image I didn't need to know. Excuse me, I got to go throw up. <laughs> yeah, so they can really, really cause some havoc. Yeah. So, I mean, the ones that we all really get worried about are the ones you really can't see. The The deer tick is about the size of the period at the end of a sentence. Yeah. Um, And they can make you very sick. But, yeah, ticks in general are nasty little things. Yep, even these can give you quite a swollen up infection. Yeah. So. So, so we took the picture and then you, then you freaked out and got rid of it. <laughs> yes. So, um, we further down the road, we were taking pictures, uh, more pictures of wildflowers and whatnot. And then you saw, I was squatted down quite close to the ground and you saw a tick jump right on the camera lens. It did. It jumped right up on the lens and I flicked it off and I was like, this is insane. They're everywhere. Right. So, and then a little further down the way, I was taking a picture, which you'll see in a minute, of a bald eagle. And I just opened the car door and leaned up against the car, rested the camera on the roof of the car. And when I got back in the car, I had a tick on my shirt. Yeah. There were so many ticks. And so our plans of hiking through the swamps and looking for the very rare and hard to find ram's head lady slippers we thought we would wait for a better day I, we really wanted to do it i know we really really wanted to do it i know you won't you if i had said yes you probably would have braved it i still want to go up there we probably got another week before it's they're gone but but we're gonna wear jeans yep and not shorts and sandals we're gonna maybe even tape our jeans tight around our ankles with duct tape i've seen people recommend you do that yeah people even do it like they'll tape the duct tape and then they put duct tape backwards so it's the sticky part out and it seems to work really good catching i know i've seen pictures of people with the duct tape sticky side so. out around their ankles and and dozens of ticks stuck yeah. to it at the end of their hike yeah lint rollers work really good to get them off of you too so Ugh, all the clever little things th this is a really bad year for ticks and so be cautious if you're out i think that we we're in northern Michigan. We were in the Upper Peninsula when we were, ran into so many ticks. So the further south you are, the worse it is even. So, and I don't know if there's a season for ticks the way that there's like a season for black flies. I think when it's above freezing, I mean, they like the warm as far as that goes. But um, we need to have some cold, cold winter for a little while to kill some of these things like off. well below freezing. For yeah, they say they, they you need to have... But like 10 below zero for a couple of weeks at least it'll kill off a lot of those types of things yeah. and we just haven't had that in the last couple of years so are we calling the ticks tourists they don't nope. really migrate here they kind of live here all they're year two they're two separate just... things <laughs> tourists will tick you off but ticks will 
<laughs> Make you even matter. So while we were down at Point Labarde, um, we did see some tourists. Well, what I think are tourists were tourists on their what do you call them? Four wheelers or ATVs? ATVs, yeah, of all varieties. You know, we are you and I are tourists. When we're in the UP, we're tourists. Sure. When we're out west, we're tourists. We try to be good tourists, though. And by being a good tourist, I don't mean I try to act like a local or try to pretend to be a local, but I try to be respectful, right, of where yeah, I am. Yeah, that's and, the whole thing is everybody should be feel welcome and enjoy the space you're in, but just respect it while you're there. I mean, you and I have lived most of our adult lives. Well, you have lived your whole life in tourist resort areas. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our a lot of our jobs, a lot of the industry around here relies on tourists. So we don't have a hate for tourists, but and 99.9% .9 of tourists are all great. But there is always that 1% that yeah. push it too far, right? Yep. Just like other, every other group as far as that goes. So in season one, and I don't remember which episode, we did a whole episode about Point Labard, um area in St. Ignace, which is a road that runs along the lakeshore of Lake Michigan um, below the bridge, below the Mackinac Bridge. And you can see a lot of wildlife there, a lot of wildflowers, including the little um, lake iris. Is that the name of them, Bill? Northern Lake, miniature Northern Lake iris, I believe is what it's called. I don't think we're getting it exactly right, but you know what? It's the state flower of Michigan, which I never knew. And they're endangered. They're only found around Lake Michigan, I believe. Yeah. Um, and you said below the bridge, though. They're actually on the St. Ignace side. And they're just they're oh. West when I said below the bridge, I meant like under the bridge, like there's, trolls, where the trolls what? live. <laughs> like you can see when you're at Point Labarbe, you can look up and see the bridge. Yeah. Okay. More or less. Yep. In any case, um, one of the things that is endangering the the little iris is um, development, road development and off-road vehicles. And so when we were down there, we saw some people on ATVs and they were just going fast. I thought, did you, I mean, we creep along down there. We want to see the wildlife and hear the wildlife. Yeah. They were kind of ripping through there and it was, you know, it's dusty too. So why? So dusty. I can't imagine it being fun. So tip number one to be a good tourist is to be respectful of the area and other people. Yeah, and it's not like it's like you're in the middle of a forest somewhere either. There's a lot of residential homes right there as well. There's a lot. And maybe they maybe those people were from one of the homes. Could be. So they felt comfortable, you know, um, with what they were doing. But um yeah, there's a lot of trails designated for ATVs in the UP, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically? Yep. Find the trails. The next thing we spotted at Point Labarbe was, go to the next picture, Bill. And you can describe this because you took this picture. This is a picture of a blue heron that we got a um, few pictures of. Um, Hundreds. This, this blue heron was actually, when we first spotted him, was on the lakeshore. And... Um, had just snatched up a uh, what turned out to be a bullhead catfish, I think is what it actually is. Um, but it was a fairly good sized fish, and 
He, uh, I got a couple of pictures of him flying away with the fish in his mouth that weren't all that great. Um, got, I think I got one or two that turned out pretty nice, but, um, but actually you did. I really had a hard time picking whether to post a picture of the blue heron flying with the bullhead in his mouth or this one where he was trying to eat it. <laughs> well, this picture in particular though, was we thought, you know, I thought, well, we got a couple of pictures of that. That's pretty cool. And then we probably drove a hundred yards and um, this thing had just gone over the trees and stopped. And he was in this tall grass just off the road, probably 20, 30 yards off the road. And he was trying to figure out how to get that catfish down his throat. Cause um, I think the cat, well, we know that the catfish was still alive cause he was flopping all over and trying to get away. And the heron, and catfish have these little antennas on the end of their head. Actually, if you um, zoom in in this picture, if you're able to, yeah, you can see you them. You can see, in and they his sting. Mouth. They use they yeah. have they have the venom of of like a bee sting would be. And this heron was getting stung by this catfish, and he kept flicking the thing up out of his mouth, and then he would grab it and uh, trying to get it so that his head would go down. Um, and uh, it was quite a Quite a scene to see this poor thing trying to figure out. If I was him, I'd have thrown him back on the lake and kept fishing for something else. But <laughs> I bet they eat a lot of these bullheads. Probably. I mean, the bullheads are. This was a big one, feeders, though. I mean, but this, it's big. Yeah. Yeah, it takes up his whole. I mean, a blue heron's beak is big, like a. Well, yeah, not, this is probably a 15, 16 inch fish. Yeah. So he did. We stay there long enough to see him actually swallow it, or did we move on? Uh, I think he was still. I mean, he was, it was still flop working around. at it. I mean, I think he had the fish finally killed. He uh, dropped it a couple but, of times and yeah. had to pick it back up. Yep. But, also in this blue heron, you can tell he's about to lose a feather. Yeah, that was kind of He's got funny. a wayward feather that's sticking out the back of him. He's and, got a stray that's going wild on him there. Bad hair day for the heron. Bad hair day. So let's go and hear the next picture is the picture of the bald eagle that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, there was actually a pair of these guys down on the lake there. We have taken, um, in years past, we've taken pictures of bald eagles down at Point Labarde. And I think that this is the same eagle we have seen in years past. Because if you look closely in this picture, he has, he's been tagged. He has a little ankle bracelet on his right talon. Yeah. And uh, boy, under, I'm zooming in. You can almost read the number. It looks like maybe 29-41. Can you see that, Bill? Let's see if I can. I'll have to go back in our pictures from a few years ago and see if it's the same. But um, interesting how birds will migrate away and then come back to the exact same area that they were. You know, it'd be interesting to know if, obviously, if they track them, maybe they keep track of that kind of thing. But. Probably, yeah. I think this is our old friend, the fancy eagle with his bracelet. They are impressive. You sure that's not Zapata jewelry? Because it kind of looks Silpata, like yeah. <laughs> Good quality silver there. Yes. I Who can pass up a bald eagle? They are so striking to see. Yeah, I was, you know, when you see them from a distance, you think, man, that's a big bird. But when you're up close, like we were probably... Again, probably 30, 40 yards away from this bird, and they are huge. This bird is at least three foot tall, and their wingspan is six, eight feet. It's incredible how big they are when they 
when you see him up close. They, um, I wonder how much they weigh because he is up in the top of this dead tree and it looks like, it just looked like he was perched on the very tip of a little, you know, the little stick part at the top. Yeah. When you zoom in, you can see there was just a couple little twiggy things sticking out of the edge that he's got his talons kind of wrapped around that's holding him in place, but they must not weigh a lot, right? Yeah, I don't think they do. I think they're like the great horned owl, um, kind of lots of fluff there. Yeah, but in this picture, he is um, it's profile. He's looking over his shoulder. Um, he looks like he's not paying attention to us, but he was probably paying very close attention to us. He was trying his best to ignore us, but um, the he wind, was well aware that we were there. The wind was blowing his white feathers on his head like he was Fabio. He Somebody, was, Some people pay a lot to have that fan fluffing you up like that. <laughs> you know, whenever we see a really excellent specimen, you always call them a Mr. Majestic. Yeah. This is definitely a Mr. Majestic, don't you think? Or a Mrs. I'm not sure which, but. Yeah. I don't know how you would know. Nope. There was a pair. Though, I don't so. want to get that close to find out. Yeah. While, while we were watching this one um, sitting, I, you took some pictures, I took some pictures. And then while you were taking a picture and you were intently focused, um, the second bald eagle flew in and kind of did a flyby, this guy. Yeah. You said they were coming and I kept. I kind of backed off the camera zoom a little bit to see if they both would come in the same frame together. And the second one ended up landing in a tree a few feet away from this one, but they, they never did. Um, we didn't anyways. At all show. Yeah. They, we didn't get a picture of the two of them together. No, that would have been sweet, but yeah. um, it's hard when you have, um, we had our lens that we call Pearl, which is a one fifty to 600 zoom lens. And when you're zoomed way in, it's really hard sometimes to orient yourself and to, you know, pick up the lens and get it directly on the exactly what you want without having to wiggle around a bit. At least that's what I find. How about you, Bill? Yeah, there's a lot of times um, it is kind of hard. I mean, you look at something and then when you put the lens up there, it's kind of where to go where to go yeah. your, it takes you a minute yeah to your field of vision is narrowed down to that small right. part that you have right okay so let's move on to our next picture as we All move right. down the road a little bit so this speaking of birds that i think come back every year to the same place um the last few years we have uh found a pair of sandhill cranes at point la barb and um photograph them with their with their baby sandhill cranes which you call Colt. Because I always want to call them something else, a truck or something like that. Anyways, so we were, we were driving along and all of a sudden I noticed something out of place in the tall grass and reeds. And it was a pair of sandhill cranes. And I would like to think it's our sandhill cranes back, our tourist cranes they were in the same area that we saw them last year. Yeah, I, I think they're probably the same ones. I mean, I can't, they don't have any defining markers that I could say for 100% sure, but. No, but I would think that if they hadn't been disturbed, they probably would nest in the same area all the time. Yeah. So that's probably a pretty good chance that this is the same pair we saw last year. So in this picture, you can see the uh, two adult cranes in amongst the cattails and the tall reeds and the tall grasses it's a really marshy area 
And um, so then I think you said, oh, look close, because I think they might have a baby with them. And sure enough, they did have a little baby. Now, this picture, you have to really look close and zoom in on the, would you call that the second crane in the picture? If you're the crane to the Looking at the picture, it would be the crane to the left. And look down, follow him down to his rear end. Yes. And you can see just a little fuzziness down there. And that's the baby. That's the head of the baby. Yep. If you zoom in, you can make out a, I can see a little eye and a little beak. Yep. Right. Yep. It's pretty fuzzy. It was, but... was definitely in amongst the old oh. dead grasses and stuff. But they're not very tall right now, anyways. Yeah, but... totally in the grass. So it's yep. it's really hard to see them. But that was exciting to see our old friends. We should give them names. What would you name these this pair of sandhill cranes? Red and Sandy. Red and Sandy. Red, red and Sandy. Okay. Hey, Red. I'll go along with that. Red and Sandy. Sandy because of the color too? Yeah. Sandhill crane, Sandy. All right. So from Point Labarbe, we decided to head, because we weren't going to go hike through the, the bogs and the swamps and the tickvilles. We decided we would just drive on up to the Sini Wildlife Refuge. Yeah, we're halfway there. Might as, go. We, we're, Might as well go. When you're in St. Ignace, are you really halfway there? Well, you can talk yourself into anything, you know. <laughs> So yeah, this was Monday Memorial Weekend. We thought maybe everybody had left and we'd have the we'd place have the to place ourselves. to ourselves. It's always a fantasy of ours. So we've been to how many times have we been to Sini this season so far? Was would this have been just our second visit? I think so. Eh? I think so. Yes. The first? No, maybe it's our third time. The first time we went the the um, wildlife drive is that what they call it? Was not open. The marshland drive. Yeah, it was not open yet. And you hiked around the 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 one pool yourself, and right, I... that was quite early because there was still ice on the ponds then. Yeah, but um, the second time we visited, we saw a sharp-tailed grouse on the driveway into the refuge. Yes, and we got some really great pictures of that. It was a ruffed grouse, rough, correct? Rough tail. Yeah, that was a rough grouse. Yeah. So this time, you said you and I both said. Wouldn't it be cool if we saw that rough grouse with babies? Yeah. When we were driving in. So we drove in really slow and nothing. we didn't. <laughs> there was nothing. Dud. Nothing. We slowed right down, maybe even stopped in the area that we saw we saw her before. And yeah, nothing. So onward we went into the wildlife refuge and um, we saw swans. Lots of Canadian geese around. Lots of Canadian geese. We don't generally take pictures of the geese unless they have babies. And there were some with babies. Um, we saw some painted turtles. We had to stop and help one off the road even, correct? Yep. Yep. There was, there were some turtles are starting to make the move to their nesting area too. Right. We could Although tell we that didn't see any laying eggs yet. Turtles will, um, they come up out of the swamp and they dig a hole and they lay eggs and they bury them and then they leave. And that's all the parental duties that they I'm have. done with this. You're on your own. You're on your own. Good, Good luck, luck to you. <laughs> and we have seen in the past sandhill cranes digging up the turtle nests and just gorging themselves on turtle eggs. And Yep. I think raccoons do the same thing. And and raccoons, absolutely. 
We kind of had hoped to see turtles laying eggs. That would be sweet, but we did not see that this time either. We sort of thought maybe this was going to be a dud trip, but um, um, you and your sharp eyes well, spotted. Yeah. The picture that we're looking at right now is a picture of um, a sharp tail grouse that the grouse actually walked out on the road and then just flew. And they kind of just flew straight up and over and then dropped back down on the bank on the other side of the river or on the other side of the road. Oh, we weren't in our canoe this time. <laughs> no, we left the canoe home <laughs> along with our bag of courage. <laughs> so maybe the bag of courage forgot. was in the canoe. That's I, where we missed. Absolutely. Yeah, that must be it. <laughs> so anyways, we stopped and I kind of just looked back out the window, you know, just kind of out of reflex and i said oh man i think i see it just just ahead of this bird and it, you kind of gave me a look like oh god yeah, here we go all right we're gonna be <laughs> looking for this for an hour and a half so anyways there happened to be just a little pull out of the road so i pulled over and walked back a little bit to the area where i had seen this bird fly and sure enough i threw the big lens up and scoped it out a little bit and there she was. So the female shark, this is a female because yeah. the male sharp tail grouse have that yellow orange eyebrow over their eye. Yep. And um, this one clearly does not have that. But what I find amazing about animals and birds is their, their ability to have camel, you know, their natural camouflage. Yes. Cause if this bird just ducked its head down a little bit, you would never see it. Just nope, the modeling just be, of its feathers or whatever just blends right into that. Just be part of the brush. Yeah. Right. So th actually, when you came back to the car and showed me the picture on the back of the camera, I thought, yeah, I guess that was worth it. <laughs> Pretty sweet picture. Yeah. It was um, a nice, nice find. Yeah. So further down the road, we found um, some loons, which is one of the things the Sini Wildlife Refuge is known for is their um, population of common loon that uh, summer in the refuge. And we haven't seen a lot of them this year so no, far. No, we haven't. But we saw one swimming and we kept thinking it was going to get closer to us and it never really did. But there was a little tiny spit of land. I wouldn't even call it an island in that, in that pool. And sometimes the loons will nest on that. And sure enough, you spotted um, a loon on a nest on that little tiny piece of land. Yep. And so you had the camera out the window of the car focusing in on the, on the nesting loon when all of a sudden a woman from the car behind us Excuse me. out of her car, walked right up to our window and in a normal loud voice, Excuse me, I have some questions. Are you guys birders or photographers? Which I said both. Well, she said, you? we're we're just uh, new to this area. We've never been to Michigan before. And we read on the flyer that um, you can see um, sharp-tailed grouse. And if you want, you can rent a blind and watch the sharp-tailed grouse when they're on their lek doing their mating dance. Well, that happens in March. Correct. Which I'm sure the flyer must. They didn't read the whole flyer. She was interested in that, though. Yes. So, and 
it we love when we see you know we have done oh, whole yeah, episodes it's... about going up to the up to watch the sharp tail grouse on elect doing their whole fun dancing mating thing um so we talked to her a little bit about that and explained to her that that's something that happens more in march and april and she seemed very disappointed she really really wanted to see a sharp tail grouse so i wonder if her and her husband are birders and they're like checking their I think they probably Birds off their I mean, list. They, were, they were, I'm not even sure where they were from. They had a Montana license plate that I said, oh, are you from Montana? Yeah, see, so you have a Montana license plate. And she said, no, we're just from driving around. We drive around. She's just was very vague about that. I'm sure she was probably part of the Federal Wildlife Refuge Steal a Grouse team. <laughs> she was from the Steal a Grouse team? Yeah. <laughs> Good thing I didn't tell her where the one was. I don't know her. how your mind works. Steal a gross team. She looked shady to me. She looked very friendly and nice. But you pointed out to her that there's a loon right there nesting on a nest right now. And she kind of glanced over her shoulder, but she could have cared less yeah, to she see was, a loon. She had a grouse in her head. She didn't want to see anything. Else. She wanted to see she a shark. She yelled back to her husband, Hey, John. There's a loon on the nest over there if you want she to look at it. She did not do that. Or did she? Yeah, she did. Oh, God. <laughs> then she kept talking to us for a while. How good of a birder could she be, though, if she was like that loud and... Well, she was on... The yeah. grouse was on her checklist. Well, she, had, you know, she couldn't move on. When you go through the Sydney Wildlife Refuge, you can get a pamphlet that has a checklist. Right. And maybe she was checking boxes on the list. Maybe. I don't know. but um, But then she said... Well, we saw a ruffed grouse. Do you remember yeah. her saying this? Yeah. Yeah. When we when we first came in, we saw a ruffed grouse and she had babies with her. John got some pictures of it. They were running across the road right on the driveway into the Yeah. <laughs> she was a bad parent. She just let them run around the road. Yeah, we had to get out of the car and kind of sh- push them over to the side of the road. Like, oh, you and I were like the picture no we wanted. Way. No way. That's exactly what we were hoping to see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> crazy, crazy. So yeah, we should They saw what we wanted to see they, and we saw what they wanted to see. Exactly. And they were, they entered the park only minutes before us. Right. After, uh, after us. Well, they were before us because we had pulled right, over and let us. them at one point. Yeah. Yeah. We were passing back and forth as we went through. Yeah. That's why we didn't see them because they shoot them off the road. <laughs> well, lucky for them, we got to see the sharp tail and they didn't. Right. I would have really rather seen the rough tail babies. Well, now we got to go back. Well, we did. We did after we got through the, the uh, marshland road, we did swing back up the highway and go back up the driveway one more time, just thinking maybe they'd be hanging out on the side of the road, but no, right. no, no luck. No, it was. It was almost raining at that point, too. So maybe the weather had made them hunker down a little bit. You know, when you're out looking for wildlife and you're a tourist, um, some people are really great at sharing their tips and, um, you know, where to find wildlife, where's the best place to be. And some people really keep that information to themselves. Yep. What do you think? I think we're pretty generous. We're probably more generous than we should be in that we've had some people go to the spots where we know where there's wildlife and kind of and then scare behave, them off and then behave badly yeah yeah 
Um, so recently, I know there's a photographer from Jackson Hole that you and I follow on Instagram, and uh, he takes beautiful pictures. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have um, direct messaged him a couple of times when we were going to be out there, just kind of asking, "Hey, can you share where you saw X, Y, and Z?" And he never responds. So right. I don't do that anymore. But um, I just noticed that he was somewhere outside of his normal territory. And he posted on Instagram, hey, people in this area, any tips on where I can find wildlife? And then later on, he posted, thanks for all the tips that you gave me. And I thought, you dog, you, (laughs) you won't ever give out any tips, but you expect people to help you out. Yeah, it's a a two-way street, buddy. It's a two-way street. So to be a good tourist, I think, be generous with sharing where the best restaurants are and the best wildlife are. And, but it's okay to keep a few things under the cuff, right? Yep. Don't give them the very best restaurant. Yeah. Not All the right. one with the really good pie or the never leave. Pie. So we left the Sini Wildlife Refuge and headed home. Uh, you had to work the next day, so um, yep. we didn't want to stay too late. And we got back towards St. Ignace, and you suggested that we <clears throat> dip down and do the, the Point Labar uh, Boulevard Road one more time. It was and on the way. On, it was on the way. And as I said earlier... We don't always stop to photograph Canada geese. They're just so plentiful. And, you know, they just seem pretty common unless they have babies. And there was a little family of geese on the shoreline with some baby geese. Yeah, these guys were just sitting there watching the uh, people on the bridge going by. Yeah, and it was getting to be sunset. You can see the sun is just kind of hitting, catching these babies. Yep, they were just Just kind of chilling out they're actually not that young like they're already losing their yellow fluff a little bit these were pretty big chicks actually yeah but uh so we slowed down and got a picture of these guys look how the one chick is just staring straight at me yep but you know what bird eyes work different than our eyes if the if the bird is looking directly at you are they really looking at you they could be looking at this people next to you. Or do they have to have their head sideways to be really looking at you? I don't know. Or is their peripheral vision so good that they can see you from both? It's like they got eyes in the back of their head. And we got, hopped back on the Mackinac Bridge and headed for home. And headed for home. So um, in the end, which do you like better, ticks or tourists? Mm, tourists. <laughs> obviously we're tourists and I hope we're never ticks. Yes. So um, we also promised in season two that we would end with a feel good story, an inspirational story or um, feel good sto- story of the week. And today I have a really good one. Um, so, and I've included a picture. So if you go to the next picture, describe what you're seeing in this picture, Bill, and oh, then yes. I will tell you the feel good story. So this is a picture of, um, it's on Mackinac Island on the on the main one of the main streets. Um, actually, it's the 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 main street that goes down along the shoreline of uh, Mackinac Island, where most of the 
attractions and homes and hotels and all that type of thing are in. But in the foreground of this picture is uh, a bride and a groom that are walking down the street towards towards the photographer. And in the background, there is a building on fire. And uh, you can tell the story about So I'm going to read this because I, I have taken this off somebody else's story online. And it was posted by Jason St. Anage or St. Oz, rather. And uh, I'm just going to read what he wrote. Now, I don't mean to sound like Paul Harvey, but you must hear the rest of the story behind this photo taken on Sunday on Mackinac Island by Cody Langhorn. So credit to Cody Langhorn for this picture. Uh, featured in the photo, besides the fire, which was the Brigadoon, um, is the Brigadoon considered a hotel, a bed and breakfast? You just call it the... I think it's a bed and breakfast. They call it the cottage. Um, So featured in this photo besides the fire are newlyweds, Jake and Elizabeth. Like so many young couples, they decided to have their wedding on Mackinac Island and had in fact been married earlier in the day at St. Anne's church. Like so many couples, their wedding had been postponed from last year's summer due to the pandemic at their reception in the gardens behind the yacht club. Elizabeth's dad had just started his father of the bride speech when many of the guests started to notice smoke coming from the residence next door. Uh, Everything stopped. The house was ablaze. The fire department was arriving and the magical day was suddenly interrupted just as it had been canceled by COVID the year earlier. The guests were evacuated and nobody really knew, knew what would happen next. Then That's when Jake and Elizabeth decided to head back to St. Anne's to pray and reflect. What a couple, because would, is that the reaction you would have, Bill? Let's go back to the church and pray for. Nope. Yeah, no, that wouldn't have been my reaction either, but good for them. While walking to the church, unbeknownst to them, this photo was taken. A photo of two newlyweds whose perfect day was now in shambles. But that's not where the story ends. Concurrently to the reception being evacuated, Brandon Sheldon, general manager of Mission Point Resort, was walking by. Brandon recognized what was happening. He picked up his phone, called his bosses, and put a plan in action. The staff at Mission Point mobilized their um, convention personnel and many others, including CEO Mark Ware and his sister, VP of Sales Marketing, Liz Ware. Within minutes, a plan was coming together. The wedding was being moved to Mission Point. Mark Ware would save food, serve food, and the head bellman would become a bartender. Everyone would play a part. Other properties were engaged to help. The kitchen staff from the Yacht Club was able to use the Island House Hotel kitchen to finish their food. The Pink Pony sent dishes and other needed supplies, and within 30 minutes, the wedding was back on. The best man was sent to St. Anne's to tell the bride and groom to head to Mission Point. And that is where the wedding was back on. To accommodate the late start, Chris Schepler had one of the boats make a special run to return guests to the mainland. It all came together and in a matter of minutes. And this is the Mackinac Way. Where else can, can a wedding get canceled? and reconvened in under 30 minutes, just a few hundred yards away. I have lived my whole life here, 
And on plenty of occasions, I have seen the worst situation met with the greatest compassion, compassionate people you would ever meet. And now Jake and Elizabeth have two. And now you know the rest of the story. It's hard for me to read. There's some dust in the air or something that's making my eyes cry. I think it's pollen. It must be the pollen. Yeah, sure. That's what it is. I That's so, I couldn't, the first it's, time I read through that, honestly, I was bawling. I'm glad nobody was here because it's just a cool story. And this is, I hope you get to see this picture. Um, cool picture of the bride and groom just walking down the sidewalk like they don't even know that the place is on fire. And it's really on fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I and heard. there's a lot of buildings right tied to. It's amazing that nothing else burned down there. Yeah. Um, we know some volunteer firemen from the Sheboygan area. And I know that they had put been put on alert that day in case they needed to get over there and help as well. But I think there was the Mackinac Fire Department, Mackinac City, maybe St. Ignace. There was a couple departments involved in. Yeah, I, the, the the volunteers from Sheboygan actually went up to Mackinac to uh, kind of hold down the fort in Mackinac in case something had popped up there. So they they uh, kind of did, um, they were on call in Mackinac while the Mackinac Fire Department was on the island, from what I understand. So yeah, it was a whole lot of people that got together for that one. Yeah. Cool story. Yep. Very cool story. So, yay. I love that when people can get together and make something happen in all out of the goodness of their heart. Nobody stood to gain extra financially from that deal. So, yay. Really cool. Yep. So, um, before we go, I want to thank our son, Andrew Johnston, Outdoor Andy TV on Instagram and Twitch. He is our sound engineer. Thanks, Andy. And I uh, want to thank Pixabay for our theme music, our season two theme music. Thanks, Pixabay. And thank you, Bill. This was fun. Yeah, this was fun. We'll have a chat in two weeks, and we hope to hope you tune in and listen then. Yeah, thanks for listening today, and I uh, hope you have a great rest of your day.